Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in six different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church or how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. We're going to have it up here on the screen behind me. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. He says to the Gentiles at Ephesus, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with, say it with me, with the saints, with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the what? The cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, picture this with me, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now that's pretty cool language, huh? Are you getting the imagery as, as, I, as I read this? I mean, we are the household of God. Now, when we talk about the church being the, the, the house of God, of course, we're not talking about the building. We, we thank God for the building, but we're, 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 we're really talking about the people here. We're talking about the relationships. We're talking about, well, I'm talking about you and me here together today. And we, we appreciate the building, but we could meet really anywhere, okay? We could join uh, together and worship God in a field if we had access to the field. But how many of y'all are thankful for a building today? <laughs> it's nice to be able to come together and to sit on these comfortable seats and uh, to have all of these incredible amenities that we have. But in this passage, Paul essentially, well, he gives us a blueprint. He gives us God's plan for the church. He tells us what the church, what the family well, what, number one, what would it consist of? Who's in it? He tells, us, he tells us what it's built on, and he tells us what the church is joined together by. Those are the three things that he tells us, and these are the three things that I'm going to preach to you today. And so with that said, how many of y'all know there's no place like home? How many of y'all know that? How many of y'all love to travel? How many of y'all love to travel? Some of you don't. That's okay. Raise your hand for high if you like to travel. I love to travel. My wife and I, we love to travel. I've been all over the world um, here in, in the United States, East Coast, West Coast, big cities, small cities. I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. I've lived in Alabama, Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, Tempe, Arizona. We were there for a number of years. Then uh, Dallas, Texas, McKinney, that area. And now we've been here for about 10 and a half years. And so we've been all over. It seems like we've lived all over. Some of you have, have moved around more than we have. But, uh, but we, love, we love to travel no matter where we live. We love to travel. Uh, I did my PhD work years ago back in uh, travel back and forth between here and the Netherlands, uh, which is a really awesome place. Uh, Kelly came to visit me uh, in, in those summers when I traveled there to do my studies. And one particular, actually, was it twice? I think we went to Paris. Yeah, twice. Uh, we jumped on the, that real fast train that goes through, through, through Europe, uh, the Talisk. Is that what it's called? Maybe? Yeah. So we jumped on that and we, we, had a, we, we took a train ride through the French countryside together. And let me tell you, the only, I mean, talking about a beautiful, beautiful train ride, um, beautiful countryside. The most beautiful thing on that ride was her, but anyway, that's another story. Uh, but uh, Paris was beautiful, but she, she destroys Paris. Just, anyway, I don't want to, she's going to turn red. But, uh, but anyway, we, we've, we've traveled, we've been all over Amsterdam, we've been into Belgium, France. We've been, we've been, seems like everywhere. I uh, went to Israel several years ago, and I love to travel, love to get out and love to see the world. 
But it's good to go. It's good to go, but it's even better. It's even better to get home because there's no place like. Would y'all agree with that? Like, especially, have y'all ever been sick, like away from home? Like you get, you're sick, maybe throwing up. And I'm not trying to be gross, but how many of y'all know there's nothing like your own bathroom when you're sick? There's nothing like hugging your own toilet. Isn't that true? I mean, there's just, sorry to be gross, but there's no place quite like home. And so with that said, um, we just recently, we moved into our home that took about eight months to build. Uh, Stacy and Walter Arsenault, who attend this campus, they are home builders and they are phenomenal. Um, they, they built our home for us. Uh, about two years ago, we sold our house and we thought we were going to turn around and buy a home, like an existing home. And then y'all remember, the, you, you know how crazy the market's been, right? And we, we found a couple of homes and then people were doing the whole bidding war thing. Like we put an offer in and somebody would come back 15, 20 higher. And I told her, I'm like, we're not doing this. And she said, well, what are we going to do? I said, listen, I'm the man of God. I have no idea what we're going to do. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm the man with the plan. I, I, don't, I don't know. When we thought it through, I'm like, okay, well, we're going to build. We're going to build. And so we found a lot. And we, of course, we have Walter and Stacy. They're amazing. And so, well, that put, us on, that put us on a journey where we had a plan for the house. We had the builder. But then in the meantime, we had to, we had to move. Like we lived, we lived in a, in a rental home. Uh, we lived at the Broussard campus. Y'all know I, we pastored that campus for four years. Uh, we lived there uh, recently. And actually last summer, we, my family, and that includes seven of us if you include the dog. And you can't leave, leave the dog out. <laughs> seven of us lived in a hotel. Okay? How many of y'all know I'm a sanctified man of God and so is she. She's a sanctified woman of God to make it through all that. Seven of us in a hotel room. Like that's all by the grace of God that we made it out still loving one another right? Anyway, close fellowship, too close. So we've been just, we've been on the move place to place. And finally, we're in our house that we love so much. And we can say now, I mean, it's always true, but thank God for our home. Truly thank God for our home. There's no place like it in the world. And when we look at our home that was just recently completed, I can say the finished product is amazing, but that house was built step by step over the course of about eight months. And before any work was actually done, well, an architect had to draw up the what? So th the house was in her head and in her heart, and then she got with Walter and Stacy, and then an architect, and what was in her head and heart, that went on to paper. And then we got the blueprint, and then those that did the work, they showed up and they built our house according to the what? Very simply, according to the what? to the plan, not according to their preferences. How many of y'all know people have a lot of opinions? What should go here, what should go there? And we, we received some help, of course. But the builders built the home according to the plan, not according to their preferences, but according to the, to the vision, if you will, that God really placed. I give all of the credit to my wife. I just show up, I just pay the bill. She, she's the one that made it look amazing, her and Miss Stacy. But we, we built it according to the plan. How many of y'all know it's great to have a plan? How many of y'all are the type you just like to go with the flow, like you'll figure it out? Come on, all men, raise your hand. Most men, I hate to be stereotypical. Now, there's some women that do the same, but like we'll figure out as we go. There, there's some of us, we just kind of, and we say we're led by the Spirit, maybe. <laughs> or maybe we just don't like coming up with a plan. But it's so important to have a plan. We had a plan for our home. We had the blueprint for our home. That's true of us. But what I want to show you today, that this is also true 
of God with respect to the greatest building project this world has ever known or will ever know, according to his church. God is building his church according to his eternal plan. And let me just get right down to business. Not according to our preferences. <laughs> and man, like, this is like a big one for people because we all, we all have opinions about the way the church should look and the way the church should run. And, and okay, some of that's all right. It's okay. But, but, but the church, Paul says here, was built according to God's plan, not our personal preferences. And God has a plan to build his church. And this is the way that it started approximately 2,000 years ago. And this plan is the same plan that he is going to use until Jesus comes back. And how many of y'all know we would do well to build the church and to build our lives according to his word, his plan, not our preferences. Are y'all with me today? And so in Ephesians 2, Paul lays out what God's blueprint entails, at least in part. And once again, he gives us three things. He tells us with respect to God's house, not the building, but the people. He tells us who's in it. He tells us what it's built on, and he tells us what it's joined together by. Let's begin with this first one. First of all, who's in it? Who's in the household of God? Well, you can look around today, and you, well, you see who's in, in this meeting, in this gathering, in this worship service. But, but let's go back to Paul for just a minute. Paul here is speaking to the Gentiles. Y'all know who the Gentiles are? Remember from weeks ago? Some if you're new, I don't expect you to know any of this. But those of you who attend regularly, remember the Gentiles are the non-what? The non-Jews. And, and the Gentiles were those who were <clears throat> excuse me, far away from Israel, far away from God. Paul says they had no hope in the world. They had no privileges like the Jewish people had privileges back in what we call Old Testament times. The Gentiles were those far away, far away. But then Christ came from heaven to the earth, from far away to, to this earth. And Christ came and he lived and he came and he died and he rose from death and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. But when Jesus came, he came not only for the Jews, he came also for the whom? For the Gentiles. He came for all people. That whoever believes in him will have a relationship with God and will be connected to the people of God. will have a place in his house. Now and forever. So the psalmist says, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will bring me in. How many of y'all thankful the Lord will take you in? Other people may reject you, but if you come to him on his terms, faith and repentance, God will accept you into his house no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, which is really, really good news. And so this is, we are spiritual family. And man, it's a blessing to have spiritual family. But Paul says that the, these, these Gentiles who are far away, they, I love the language, they were strangers, Stranger danger, strangers, and they were aliens, foreigners. They were far away, but they, they were brought close by the blood of Jesus, by the person and work of Jesus. And so now Gentiles have a home. They have a home in God's family. And so Paul, Paul he's, he's, he's just going over this simply but profoundly to get the point across that when Jesus died on the cross, he, he demolished the dividing wall of hostility. Y'all remember that? This wall that divided Jews and Gentiles. Jesus kicked it down, so to speak. He abolished. He knocked down. He destroyed that wall so Jew and Gentile can come into one family. 
So watch this. Gentiles don't have to become Jews to be in the family. Gentiles don't join Israel as a nation to get in the family. Gentiles, that's us. We don't join a nation. We come to God by faith in Jesus, and then Jesus brings us into his house. The same is true for Jews, Gentiles and Jews, all people. The only way we can get in the house of God is through faith in Jesus, the son of the house. Does that make sense? So anyway, there's more to say, but Paul, Paul is just going through this little by little here, but in a profound way to help the Gentiles. That's us too, by extension. Us understand that we were far away, but now, come on, y'all, we have a home. I don't know if you've been wandering around trying to find a church, going from place to place. You got to go, you know, kind of kick the tires, you know, see what the preacher's got to say. See, you know, we see how the worship, the worship, y'all know it's not just worship by song. You know, we say worship. Y'all know right now as you're receiving, as we give, as we, as we serve God, that's worship. But most of the time people think, well, let me see how the worship was, how it is, you know, how are the singers, how is the song? We go and we, we, we kind of shop around. You don't have to raise your hand. Some of y'all been shopping around. Let's kind of sniff it out, kick the tire, see what kind of place this is. And it's fine to do that. You need to be discerning. You need to get in the right church. And I, of course, I would say this. If you're here today, you're in the right church. Yeah. I think. I mean, but anyway, I'm, I'm kind of teasing. Um, God has a place for everyone. And clearly, clearly, our Savior's church, it's not for everyone. Right? There, I mean, there are a lot of great churches in town, aren't there? And listen, we should celebrate every single one of them because God's using every single one of them. But God adds people to a local body. And I hope and pray he's adding, those of you that are new, I hope he's, he's adding you here into this house. But here's my heart. My heart is that, like the Apostle Paul, I mean, we've got to make more room, not just in the building, but in our thinking. Uh, I don't know about y'all. So it, it's easy if you've, done, if you've done church for any length of time. The longer you go, the, the, the greater the tendency to uh, kind of get content with your holy huddle, like your people. And like, we have our brothers and sisters, and I love y'all. But listen, there are more people in this region that God wants to reach. And, and we have to be thinking that way. People, watch this, who right now, they don't think like you. They don't look like you. They don't come from where you come from. But how many of y'all know? That, that when you come to Jesus by faith in him, none of that even matters any longer. It doesn't matter what your party is, what your preferences are. We celebrate our diversity, but at the end of the day, we come together in one house and the flag of the cross, the flag of Jesus flies higher than all of them. We come together and we're unified in Jesus. Does that make sense? So there are people right now in this community who... They, they, right now, presently, they don't love God. They're not serving God. Or maybe they think they do, but they really aren't. They just kind of grew up with this kind of religious mindset. And, and in many ways, they're far away. Maybe you have sons and daughters who in the spirit are far away from the Lord. Let's believe that the gospel is going to go forth, that the seeds that you've sown are going to take root and are going to grow, and that we're going to see a harvest that perhaps we're going to have to knock down some walls to bring in more people to this house because it is God's will that every church grow. Are you a numbers guy? Well, I mean, how can you not be? There's a whole book in the Old Testament called Numbers. At least that's the English of it. On the day of Pentecost, we're told numbers. All through the Bible, we're told numbers. I mean, I'm not just driven by how many people come in a room. I'm thinking about that, but I'm also thinking about maturity. Yeah. I want us to grow deep. Come on, can we go deeper in the word? 
I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you to do that, but come on, we're gonna go wide. Let's grow wide and let's grow deep and let's make room for all the people in this community who have yet to come. Let's make room for them in the house provided they have faith in Jesus and they, they, let's pray that they will repent like us. We did repent. Are you saved? Are you born again? Are you a child of God? That means you did repent. And then now, because you are a child of God, what are you? A professional repenter, right? I'm not saying you plan on sin and you, I'm just saying like the, 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 the more you grow in Jesus, the, the closer you get to the light, the more imperfections you see. Things that didn't even bother you before do now because you're getting closer to him. And how many of y'all are thankful for the light of the gospel, the grace of the cross, the massive amounts of mercy that are brand new every day for all of us? It's true for us. It's also true for the, for the nasty and they know it of this community. I don't know how else to call them, but that, how else to label them. But the, those types, the people so far away. And so, so, so oftentimes... When we think about people who are so far away, and, and I've thought this before at some time in my Christian life, I know I have, there's no way that person could ever be saved. <laughs> have y'all ever thought that about somebody? Don't point to anybody in here. Have y'all ever thought that about somebody? Like, there's no way. Uh, let me help everyone. If I can serve God, and if I can get saved, I promise you, anybody can get saved. It's just true. And we have to remember the massive amount of mercy that God showed us and continues to show us. We have to remember that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Are y'all with me? And also for the Gentile. So, so, so you mean the filthy Gentiles can be a part? Paul's like, yeah, like God kicked down the wall. Let's, let's make more room. Let's build a new room, so to speak. Get them Gentiles in. You mean the nasty sinners? Of course. The broken, the God-haters, presently the God-haters, let's believe will become God-lovers. The least likely, the last ones some of us would have invited to God's house are oftentimes the very ones that God invites to his house. And by the way, this house is very expensive to build. You're like, how much? I'm not talking about dollars. I'm talking about the precious blood of Jesus. He purchased us with his own blood for us to be a people, black and white, rich and poor. doesn't matter where you come from. We all have access to the family, to God, but to the family because of the blood. How many are thankful for the blood? So who's in it? All kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of diversity. I'm not saying, let me make sure I'm being clear. I'm not saying that we just take who we were and we come into the church and, well, it's just who I am. And you continue to be who you are. How many of y'all know in every house there are rules? <laughs> you can't just come into my house and start moving my furniture and acting the way you want, acting like a fool. There are house rules. And maybe you hear that word rule and you're like, oh! You like have an allergic reaction because to that word because you grew up in an upbringing where you heard about rules and laws and regulations and you can never measure up. Well, listen, I understand. Listen, you are not saved because of your ability to keep God's law. You're not saved because of your good deeds. You are saved. You are born again. You are his because of his good works for you. Right? We've talked about that here. But then when you become a Christian... 
You become a disciple, well, if you're really saved, you should want to live in a way that does what? Watch, watch, watch. Brings honor to the family's name. Honor to the father, honor to the son. Shouldn't we want to live that way? Lord, I want to live in a way as your son that brings honor and glory to you. And thank God he gives us the power to do it. Are you all with me? So Paul, Paul tells us who's in it. And I could preach a whole series on this first point, but i got to move on because it's 1149. Paul also goes on to tell us, watch this, what, what, what the household of God, the family of God, what it's built on. Verse 20, Paul says, it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the what? Being the what? Being the cornerstone. So let's just get this clear. The apostles were... God's authorized messengers, apostolos, envoy, messengers, God's appointed messengers, Jesus' appointed messengers to go forth into the world with, with divine authority to preach the gospel. The apostles function in this role. They were, they were divinely appointed by God, by Jesus. And the prophets here, are, these, are, these are not Old Testament prophets that, that Paul has in mind. He's thinking about New Testament prophets who, once again, were the New Covenant spokesmen for God. They spoke the Word of God. They spoke uh, from God, by the power of God, for God. Okay? New Testament apostles and prophets. Paul says that the house, this house even, today, all these years later, this is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets on their authority, on the word of God that they spoke. So you know what's really cool? Well, a lot of things, but watch this. That what we're doing here today, what I'm preaching to you today, I mean, it's my message. I mean, I wrote it. I didn't go get it from somebody else. I got it from Paul, and I'm just preaching it to you. But y'all know that all this, this is, this is old stuff. You know, Christianity is old. Christianity is an, I mean, it's an outgrowth of Judaism. I mean, like we have an ancient faith. We are standing on, if we're on the right foundation, we are standing on an ancient apostolic tradition that goes back approximately 2,000 years. How many of y'all grew up reciting the Apostles' Creed? The Nicene Creed? All those great creeds that you learn, maybe even as a Catholic, the, the creeds of the faith take us all the way back to the first century. And so what I'm preaching to you today, maybe it's new in one sense, but really, I'm just taking you back to what's old. I'm taking you back to the ancient foundation that we, watch, we build on here corporately. God's building here corporately. But it's also the foundation that we should build everything on in our lives as Christians. Your marriage, your relationships, your business, built on the word of God, standing on that ancient foundation. Paul says that Jesus is the cornerstone. Do you know what the cornerstone is? Well, when we went to, I keep pointing here because Walter and Stacy sat right there last service. When we went to build our house, I, I wasn't like, hey, uh, Mr. Walter, like, thanks, cool foundation, looks good, we put our, put our handprints in it. But like, just curious, like, when are they going to deliver the cornerstone? Like, no one talks that way. Does anybody talk that way? Have you ever, like, if you, when you built your house, did you ask anybody when the cornerstone was going to be delivered? No, of course not. But in ancient times, at this time, the cornerstone, if you can just picture this, foundation laid, the cornerstone would go in the, guess where? That's where y'all are, are the smartest service. 
in the corner, and what, what, would that, what would that cornerstone do in the corner? Well, the builders would build around that stone, on the foundation, but around the stone to make sure that the walls were what? Straight, level, straight, sturdy, strong, stable, all the S's you can think. I mean, but essentially straight and square. And if you didn't have that cornerstone, well, you could start to build from the foundation, but how many of y'all know it could be a little crooked? How many of y'all know some people's lives are a little bit crooked because they're building on the wrong thing and they're building around the wrong thing. Paul says that Jesus is the cornerstone. God is building his church on and around him. And as long as we do that, then the church is going to be straight, square, and steady. <laughs> but if we, if, we, if we confuse things, if we get the wrong thing, the wrong one in the corner, how many of y'all know the whole thing's going to be off? It's going to be wrong. Listen carefully. As believers, we are called to build around Jesus. Jesus does not build around us. And it's the most American thing that I can think of in this moment to say that Jesus lives to make my dreams come true. He doesn't. He died so that God's dream, which will be a reality of the coming of the kingdom, will become true. It's not about my dream or yours. It's not about me asking Jesus into my life. It's about me forsaking mine so I can take part in his. And when you find him, you find life. You have peace because he's the prince of it. Can I get a better amen? Y'all know it's true. You build around him. You build on that foundation. And I'm not saying there won't be problems. I'm just saying you'll have an objective standard by which to deal with them. You'll be straight. You'll be sturdy. You'll be strong in life. And when the storm comes, you will stand. I've written it this way. God's house is not, everybody say not. It's not built on human personality. There are churches all over, and people come because they just love the dude's personality. And I, and I hope you like mine. I mean, like it or not, it's, it's kind of me, right? And there's nothing wrong with human personality. We all have a personality, right? Right? But the church is not built on that or around that. At least it shouldn't be. The church is not built by human or on Human ingenuity, though human ingenuity can be a beautiful thing. How many of y'all know we don't have to reinvent the plan? We don't have to go back and we don't have to change anything. We just go back to the apostolic tradition. We go back to the word of God. We go back to Jesus himself and he, he tells us how to build. Amen? God's house is not built on human personality, though we all have a personality. It's not built on human ingenuity, though I appreciate that about you, and hopefully you that about me. It's not built on entertainment or comedy. Church is not comedy hour. Now, I think I'm pretty funny. My kids, I'm, my kids would disagree with that statement. Hudson, you, you agree, disagree? Okay, he's being nice. But how many of y'all know there's nothing wrong with humor? Is there? No, there's nothing wrong with humor. But I'm not going to get up and... Humor will not predominate my messages because at the end of the day, I'm not trying to draw attention to myself or how funny I am. I'm trying to get your attention to, to Christ who lived for you and died for you. Okay? But I, I'll tell a joke every now and then. Can I do that? Would y'all be okay? Can I tell you one now? Can I give you a quick dad joke? Come on, dads. Let me empower you, Adrian. So one day, just a quick one. 
because I don't want to contradict myself here. This will be real fast. <laughs> we were driving through the Lafayette campus church parking lot. And as I'm driving through, there's a U-Haul in front of us speeding through the parking lot. I don't know where this came from. I looked back at my kids and I said, man, that guy's really hauling. <laughs> that didn't work, just like it didn't work with most of y'all. And, and then I said, that guy's really moving. Get you haul moving, hauling? Okay, hauling, okay. Some of you are like, I'm not buying it. Last time I told I came back around, I said, was it my delivery? We're going to laugh. We should laugh at ourselves, at one another, at my horrible... Those of you who laugh, thank you for bearing with it. I know it's not funny. It's silly, stupid stuff. But I'm going to tell jokes here and there. But that's not... I'm not coming trying to be the funny guy. I'm not coming trying to entertain you. Because if I'm here to entertain you, you're all going to be sorely disappointed. My job is to preach Christ. Christ crucified. Risen and reigning. He will predominate my messages. And if it ever comes to a point where that's not the case, please remind me and call me to repentance. You hear me? Please. I'll tell you. Okay, y'all get it. We got, we, got, we got to get this right and stick to the foundation. Build our lives, our church around, around him. But some have tried to build on other foundations. And their, their houses, the church and their own homes are, 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 are crooked they are flimsy and they are weak. And all it takes is one of those, a slight kick of the storm, and they're blown down. How many of y'all know in some cases there are too many cooks in the kitchen? Too many builders in the building, too many planners with different plans. Lord Jesus, help me, help all of our pastors simply obey your word. Jesus, build around you and then you'll do the rest. Amen? Amen? This is how the architect of the universe designed his church. Who's in it? Jews and Gentiles. The dividing wall has been kicked down. What is it built on? Jesus. On and around Jesus. Finally. It's 12 o'clock, and I said finally. Have I ever done that? <laughs> Let me do it. Finally. Finally, Paul goes on to tell us what the household of God, what this structure, so to speak, what is joined together by. What is joined together by. So you all understand foundation, um, who's in it, what it's built on. Okay. Now, what joins us together? Well, as I look around, I didn't think of this until now, but you look and see the bricks here on the walls. The Bible says you are living stones. We are living stones being built into a spiritual house. God has pulled you and me out of the heap, out of the rubble, to build us together in this house. And as every person, as each person comes, is added and does his or her part, watch this, forget that brick, think of the church, the people. It continues to grow person by person by person. And the devil can't stop us. He can hinder. He can hinder. But he can't stop God's plan. 
we, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. And the Spirit, Paul says, lives and dwells in the midst of us because we are a temple growing larger and larger in the Lord. Pretty awesome, huh? So Christianity, it began with a handful. And today there are, some have said billions. I haven't, I mean, oh, yeah, sure. Hundreds of millions for sure. And the house is getting bigger, not the buildings. Those two, because you got, got to put them somewhere, right? But the church is growing. The church is expanding. And when you think about the church, what is it joined together by? Well, Paul doesn't spell it out in explicit detail, but I think this is what he's saying. It's joined together, well, in him, in Christ. Christ brings us together. He joins us together, but what is the glue? What's the cement, like practically? Well, Jesus, of course. But relationships. Jews and Gentiles linking arms. Watch this, y'all. Black and white. Black and white in this church will forever link arms. And we will walk together in unity as brothers and sisters. And some people here are like, what else would you do? I'm glad you think that way, but there are many who don't think that way. This will be a sign and a wonder to every racist demon, to every prejudicial spirit. We will be a diverse house joined together, rich, poor, black, white, doesn't matter where you come from, as brothers and sisters advancing the cause of God together. Linking arms. I won't have you do this right now, but I did have this, I had this image. This would be weird, so we're not going to do it. Well, I haven't said it yet, you know, let me. But don't, you don't have to do this. I mean, stranger danger, right? If you're new, you're like, okay, I haven't committed yet. But think, think I see you all here, as you are, but what, what if you were to, like, link arms with the people around you? What if you were to... You know what a beautiful picture that would be? Yes. And what if we, with other churches, family church and other churches, all what if we like did that in our in here and then like in the community? If we all got together and you know how many Christians would be in one, but all linked, joined together. You might go to a different church, but you're my brother and you're my sister in the Lord. Because even when I'm not with you here, I could be. In Paris, and I'm still joined to you because you're my brother and you're my sister in the Lord, right? But picture that with me. We're joined together in Jesus, by Jesus, and inevitably, relationship. Relationship is the linking piece in it all. Listen to what Paul says. In whom, speaking of Jesus, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a what? Holy, are you picturing the growth? Holy what? temple in the Lord, block by block, stone by stone. But notice, we are being joined together. It's an awesome picture. Unfortunately, let's be honest, many Christians are loosely connected at best. Loosely. So tightly connected is one thing. That's the, that's the, the ideal. The real, the reality is that some Christians and Again, I'm not trying to be ugly or, or harsh here, 
It is just the reality. Some Christians are loosely connected to their brothers and sisters, or they're just good being apart. Not a part, but apart, away. Does that make sense? They're okay just coming every now and then to church. If that's you, I'm just glad you're here today. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't fall into condemnation. If you come every now and then, I'm just glad you're here today, but listen to what I'm saying. It is not the will of the Lord that you be apart, away from the family. If you're a believer, you have a house. You have a family here. He wants you to be a part. Not a part, but a part. He wants you to do your part. Be a part of what God is doing here. Why? To have more people on a Sunday, right? No. I want you, more importantly than me, God wants you to be a part so that you can do your part. And I, am I doing my part? Okay, I want to ask you to say how I'm doing. I, I'll do it as the best I can. I'm doing my part. Pastor David does his part. We all try to do our part. And my part is to preach and to teach and to make the word clear. But it's not just to get, that was a great message, Pastor Scott. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the encouragement. My job is to speak and to minister in such a way, to do my part in such a way where you are equipped to do your part. And that it's not pastor-centric. It's not the Pastor Scott show. It's we are family. And every person has their part. And no part can say to the other, I don't need you. We all need one another. And we all function in that way. When we do it that way, think of the people that get blessed because of it. Think of the growth that takes place numerically and in maturity when every person, every member is doing his or her part. Are you receiving this? Years ago, I heard this illustration of the, the redwood trees in Northern California. Has anyone ever seen redwood trees in person? Anybody? They're amazing, aren't they? I, I've seen pictures you can drive through. Is that true? Have y'all have seen them? They're wide enough you can drive your car at the base where there's a split through the tree. That's amazing. But if you look at these trees, they grow, I've been told, over 300 feet tall, some of them. And it's been pointed out that you might imagine that they're able to grow that tall because of their, their root system must go very, very deep. Makes sense to me, right? Well, I'm going to stick in my, to my lane and do what I do. I'm not, a, I'm not a scientist and I'm not that versed in the things of nature. But experts say that the trees grow tall and they grow large, not because the root systems are deep, but because the roots go wide. In the root systems, yes, they draw from the earth, but one tree draws from another tree. One tree draws, that tree receives and gives. And so if you look underground, the root system is this interconnected, beautiful picture of interdependence. Think of the church in that way. In an environment, in the soil of the gospel. Let's use another metaphor, moving from foundation to the soil of the gospel. Planted, you, me, planted. In us being joined together, our root systems, our lives, 
intermingled with, interconnected with one another, where I receive from you and you receive from me. Paul says, I long to see you, Romans, that I may impart some spiritual gift to make you strong. So you get information online, but you get impartation when you're with people, when we're close and we draw from one another, right? Because your spiritual gift is not for you. Did you know that? And now influencers, some of the biggest, not all, but some of the biggest influencers on Instagram and on social, it can almost seem like it's all about them. And we all have that tendency, don't we? Before we blame them, we all have, thanks Adam and Eve. You know, we're all, we're all kind of born with that, that sinful part that wants to make it about us. But, but, but when you get a revelation of the gospel and you understand, you read the word and you understand what spiritual gifts are for, you realize this, no, no, this isn't for me, it's given to me. But my gift is not for me. My gift is for you. And your gift is for me. And think if we could intermingle our lives in such a way where we could all draw from one another. Me from you and you from me. As a body, think of what we could do for Jesus. If we kill, and I'm talking about across the board in the church and the world, kill the entertainment Kill the, 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 the glory that often goes to a person and the attention that goes to the man of God. Amen. And we shift it to the people of God. Think if we lived that way and built that way. Well, I'll tell you what would happen. We'd be a temple unto the Lord, growing in number and in maturity, and the Spirit would dwell in the midst of us, and God would get the glory, and we'd see the growth, and all the glory, all the glory would go to Him. Now, that preaches well. It preaches easy, and it lives, well, it's tough. But culture is created with words. At least, we'll start there. I'm speaking words to create culture. For you to think about your part, not just being a part, but doing your part. Y'all receive that? Yeah. Every believer here has at least one, at least one spiritual gift. And then there are those people that we hate that have four or more. <laughs> My old pastor back in Scottsdale, maybe you could talk about this and verify. Pastor Troy Johnson, I'm going to get him here one day. He, he's the guy, he could preach, he'd preach, and you're like, that was amazing. Then he'd go over to the keys, and he'd play the keyboard and just start singing and like it was amazing and I would watch him as a young Christian going I hate you <laughs> you know because I, I can sing well, it doesn't mean it's good I, I can sing but he's just one of those you know but he could just do so many things but every single one of you has you got at least one at least one And I was thinking about this, I thought about it yesterday, but this last week it came to my mind first about how, and I had preached this before, I can't even remember how long ago it's been, but do y'all have good memories from your childhood? Yeah. Hopefully you have some. Some of you have some really bad ones, but raise your hand if you've got some good memories from your childhood. There's, there's a memory that I have that's so sweet, and it's so simple, but it's so sweet. And it goes back, I don't know how old I was. I was young. And it was a particular summer. And I'll never forget, during this period of my life, my mom loved to go to the grocery store at night 
to Kroger's. I heard Kroger's coming to Acadiana. Is that true? How many of y'all? That's the Lord. <laughs> Show ain't the devil, but whatever. In, in Lebanon, Tennessee, there was a Kroger's. My mom took me. We'd go, I guess, 9 o'clock, 10. I don't remember exactly. It was late. And she'd shop, and I'd go over to the magazine rack aisle, and I, I would look at, back in those days, man, I read deer and deer hunting, you know, bow hunting, all my other, like, monster truck magazines. Like, I just, I would read magazines, and she, she'd do her shopping. And then she'd come around after she got the majority of her shopping done, and she'd come around, and then we would go to the most sacred aisle in Kroger. And y'all know that's the cereal aisle. Come on. Cookie crisp? Anybody? Fruity Pebbles? I got one. Thank you. Uh, Captain Crunch. Honeycombs. Those are big, y'all. It's biblical. We'd go down the aisle, and I would look, I would look for my favorite cereal. She'd let me pick out my cereal. And most of the time, I'd pick out the cereal that, well, I liked the most at that time. If I recall, it was Fruity Pebbles this time. I don't, I don't know who cares, right? But some, he said, preach. But there was, um, back in those days, I don't know if they still do this. I haven't paid any attention. Okay. Do y'all remember the days when they used to put the picture of the gift, the little prize on the front of the box? And there was this sticky spider in the wrapping. Like an, it looked like an octopus, actually. And like you could throw it up, and it would stick to your ceiling and stay there for 19 years unless removed. And if you take it down, it pulls the, you know, the stuff off the ceiling. Am I, does anybody remember it? I'm in the right church. This is the right house. And I, I remember that I, I, on one occasion, actually, I, I went home, saw the prize, and I opened the top and dug my arm, drove it down to the bottom, feeling around. Anybody else do it? Got out that sticky spider, threw it up on the ceiling. <laughs> this is awesome. You know, that's what I'm living for. And then on one occasion, though, I, I was so eager to get to the prize at the bottom, the gift at the bottom. Open the top. And I got a bowl. <laughs> I just dumped all the cereal out. And there on the top was my prize. I said, Pastor Scott, what does that have to do with anything? A lot. Because I'm still doing that today. Not in cereal boxes, but in lives. Pulling out, pointing out the gifts in you. And then pulling out that gift that God has given you that maybe has been dormant for some of you for years. And it's not my job to do all the ministry. It's my job to equip you to help me do the ministry. So Derek gets a group. Another gets a group. We got people firing here, people firing there. And it's not about me. It's about us because we are family doing our part, chores, if you will in the household of God. My old pastor used to say that there's a prize in every person, there's a prize in every box. But they have to be pointed out and pulled out. Yeah. I am here to pull it out of you. Pastor David, the staff, my wife, to pull it out. So when every part of the body does its part, the church grows in number and immaturity. It's not an either or, it's a both and, isn't it? 
Can I give you all two quick things? Here they are. God wants you to be a part of his household, joined together with other believers to do your part. And here's what I'm going to leave you with. Two challenges. Quickly. Reserve Sunday mornings for church. And you're here today. You're like, Pastor Scott, you're preaching the choir. The choir is here today. But sometimes the choir isn't here, won't be here the next Sunday. I'm not putting you on a guilt trip. God does not ask for perfect attendance for Sunday. But he does ask for consistent attendance. Just be consistent. Uh, Troy told me the story weeks ago about uh, years ago, a man asked Mr. Red. Y'all know Mr. Red, owner of Red's gym. Hey, Mr. Red, like of all the machines in this whole place, like, which one do you recommend above all? Was that the question, Troy? Above all. And Mr. Red said, oh, that's easy. The front door. <laughs> Just use the front door. Get here through the door, and the rest will take care of itself. Now, that's partially true, because there have been times I've gone through the front door to get a cheeseburger at Red's, and I didn't work out for a minute. But you all understand the point. Just Get through the front door. Just get here. My old pastor, Rice Brooks, used to say, come on, parents, on a Sunday morning, one missing sock from your kids can stop the kingdom of God. I get it. There's warfare. There's warfare. There are games. There are all kinds of things competing for this. All I'm asking you to do is please make this a priority. To be here almost every single day. Sunday, to be in your small group every single week, not just in a church, but joined together with other believers. And lastly, then we're done. We're going to go baptize and we're going to go eat. Number two, resolve to discover your gift and to find your place in the church. Some of you have, you know your gift and you know your place, but you're not using your gift and you're not in your place. And I'm sure you've got there are 50 reasons we could list here maybe why that's the case from person to person to person it doesn't matter I don't want you to be condemned I want you to feel empowered and encouraged to get back in your place use your gift let's get back after it people were saying years ago the church will be online from this point forward you're never going to meet again because of this and that the devil is the biggest liar we we are going to join we're going to join. We're going to gather close to one another. This is the time. If you've been disconnected, if you've been apart, it's time to become a part again. If you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, please take a screenshot, like a picture of that screen. I want you to come and join me, Pastor David, the staff, May 4th. 6 p.m., that's a Thursday. We're going to give you a spiritual gifts assessment test that will help you identify the giftings that God has given you. Because I think there are a lot of you, you're like on the sideline saying, put me in, coach, but before I do, show me how to play. We want to show you. We want to help you. We want to equip you. Come join us May 4th at 6 p.m. And I want to challenge you all, please hear me. This is not a sermon. 
just a sermon. This is my heartbeat. And more than mine, it's God's. Please find your place and commit. Join with your brothers and sisters. And let's get after it. Come on, let's advance the kingdom. Let's cast out devils. Let's share the gospel. Let's love one another. And let's be a sign and a wonder in Acadiana that Jesus is Lord. The church is the hope of the world. And we've got a place in it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's lift our hands. Father, thank you for your great love. Your great love. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you've secured a place for us in your house. And Lord, I pray right now for every person here who feels isolated, who feels alone. I pray right now that they would be stirred. Holy Spirit, speak to them in a way that goes so far beyond what my feeble words can communicate. Holy Spirit, open hearts, open minds. I pray that you would give people a fresh vision, all my friends here, brothers and sisters, a vision of, of, of who they are, whose they are, and how they can contribute in this house. And Lord, thank you. Thank you. I know some have been out. Some of you, you're here for the first time to a church for the first. I'm so glad you're here. Some of you, you, you love God, but you've been out of church. I get it. Things happen. Don't dwell on the past. Let's go forward serving God now in the present and in the future. Lord, I pray. Lord, I know the devil wants to put shame on us. Jesus, you came to take the shame off us. And so thank you. Thank you for sweet conviction. Thank you for this house. Thank you for Pastor Jacob as our senior leader. Thank you for all the campus pastors. Thank you for the great call that we have to shepherd the most amazing people on the planet right here in Acadiana. So we love you today. Bless your people. Bless them as they go. And we pray these things now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the all Holy Spirit. And everybody said,